1: Quite a bit in many different series here for AI Today. So, we've done with like a you know, seventh series, a seventh season here at AI Today, almost 400 episodes. And, you know, one of the things we realized is that, well, there's so much to talk about AI, we won't run out of topics. You might think 400 episodes of AI, aren't you going to start repeating yourself? The answer is not really. I mean, we do repeat ourselves somewhat sometimes, but every time we do, we dig deeper and the thoughts evolve further. And I think that's one of the great things about AI. You know, we thought, you know, AI was hot and interesting back when we started AI today in 2017. It's like even hotter now. It's hard to believe. But that's because it's becoming part of everybody's daily life. And you can, you know, you'll be able to use any application, things will be generating, you'll be using uh, image recognition and natural language processing, pattern recognition. I mean, all of the patterns of AI uh, are available to the average person now with the commodity infrastructure, average software. You don't need to be a developer. You don't need to have millions of dollars to invest, and all this stuff is available for you. So that's really quite amazing, and I think that's why the AI Today podcast stays interesting and relevant. And we've talked about so many different uh, things here on AI Today. So if you're new to AI Today, please do subscribe, but also listen to all of our past episodes. We do our use case series, our AI failure series, our glossary series our Generative AI series, and our interviews with experts and thought leaders, and of course, our Trustworthy AI series, which we're going to dive into more detail in this podcast today.
0: Exactly. Today's podcast is an episode from our Trustworthy AI series. So if you haven't done so already, I encourage you to go back and listen to all of them. I'll make sure to link to them in the show notes. We have a podcast on ethical AI, responsible AI, our AI system transparency, governed AI, and explainable and interpretable AI. Those are the five levels of explainable and trustworthy AI uh, so that you can dig a little bit deeper into each one of them. We also today are going to be talking about, it's an excerpt from our training, on data and AI laws and regulations. We always talk about how data is the heart of AI, so data laws and regulations are obviously going to have an impact on AI, and so that's why we have grouped it together, because it's important to understand data AI laws and regulations, and just at a fundamental level, how they really are shaping and transforming this technology. Yes, of course, as with any transformative technology, laws and regulations are going to be uh, slower to be adopted and be created in general. but we want to and also it's always a moving target right laws and regulations are always being created so again this is just an overview of this topic so that you have a high level understanding of what laws and regulations are out there right now and why you should be in concerned and understand them But it's important to also talk about data and AI laws and regulations, because data is a really critical part to AI. You know, we always say data is the heart of AI. So if we're thinking about that, then we need to look at laws and regulations around that. So, you know, as with any transformative technology, laws and regulations may be slow to catch up. So, That's done for a variety of different reasons. Sometimes you don't want to get too ahead of the laws and regulations because you don't want to basically let criminals and others know how to work around those laws. But also, you really need to see how the technology is used and what some of the issues are and the regulations and laws that need to be put in place. We always like to say, you know, do you remember when you could talk on your cell phone and you could drive with one hand and talk with your cell phone in another? I mean, we want to talk about, you know, distracted driving, but back in the eighties, nineties, maybe early two thousands, that's what people did. They were able to talk with their cell phone on one hand and drive with another. Now we have laws around the use of cell phones in cars. So sometimes it just takes some time to catch up with it. Um, but. Note that, you know, that that just is a way of life. And then as AI enabled technologies continue to become a part of our lives, like we said, those laws, regulations and policies will need to be created. You need to think and see how how these technologies are being used, where they most need to be, uh, you know, regulations in place and then laws, policies and regulations will eventually follow. So we want to, you know, think about how will driving laws change. When autonomous vehicles start to become more prevalent on the road how how will things like driver's license how will that change? How will you get issued them anymore? You know is it going to be like an autonomous vehicle operator license rather than an actual driving license? How will we inspect driverless vehicles? You know we think about all these different things, and these are all that uh things that need to come into play. That's just with autonomous vehicles. think about other Uh, you know, uh, technology that how is that going to impact us? So really, how will the laws around data and privacy change as well? And when we're talking about, you know, AI helping us be more creative as human beings and we're using AI to maybe enhance our capabilities with music and art and writing, who's going to eventually own those rights? Especially with generative AI, this is becoming a really hot topic where who owns the art that is created or the articles that are written from generative AI? And then we also need to think about things, you know, if robots become more prevalent in our lives and we continue to engage and interact, especially with AI-enabled robots, you know, will robots begin to have rights? And will we need to have regulations around that? And will we have certain laws governing what they can and cannot do? So as this technology continues to evolve over time, these are questions and topics that definitely are going to continue to be raised.
1: So in general, what we're seeing around the world is that most governments realize that they can't really foresee how AI will be used But they're already starting to pay attention and try to get ahead of it because we've learned from the past that – if we sort of let things be, that maybe bad things will happen. So there's that governments right now are looking for general AI laws and regulations that can be put into place that could be potentially applied to future applications, even if we don't know what those unseen applications are. And so and it depends a little bit of where you are in the world in Europe, in Europe in particular, it tend to be slightly more regulatory postures, so to be more stringent, especially around the use of. Data, uh, of sharing of, of protection of safety of the regulating the AI of use or for creation of systems. So, uh, you know, that's, that's really very important. What's happening there? The U.S. tends to be a little more business friendly and laissez faire. Uh, we have a light regulatory posture. However, we see the impact of bad systems on the public. And so we have a somewhat, uh, st- tightening regulatory posture. So you should expect more regulation to happen, even when we don't, when we have our big tech companies operating here. So we're focusing, trying to make sure that we don't stifle the growth in the industry, but at the same time, provide a little bit of guidance, especially since in the United States, states have laws too. And a lot of the things that have to do with, say, autonomous vehicles are left up to the states. So there's a little bit of that. Now, what's happening in the rest of the world in Asia, they tend to be very light, on AI regulation, uh, mainly because a lot of those systems tend to either be centrally controlled or have different perspectives on the issues of data privacy and individualism and things like that. And I think the rest of the world is just kind of waiting and seeing what's happening. So it's all over the place. And if you're an organization whose customers and technology has impact globally, You basically have to go with who's got the stringest approach. Because if you're operating in one of those environments that have really stringent controls, first of all, you have to operate with their laws and you have to comply. And it's very difficult to operate looser in other places and stricter in some places. So what ends up happening is that the strictest laws end up winning, even if they're not in the geography where you're based.
0: Exactly. So that is important. And, you know, we talked about. AI-relevant data privacy laws and regulations. So at a global scale, data privacy really does have that highest degree of regulation. I think that a lot of individuals have started to understand their data footprint a lot more. So the trend is towards those restrictive policies. If you are a multinational organization or you're working in different regions Like Ron said, you really need to think about the most stringent laws and regulations and work towards them. The General Data Protection Regulation, GDPR, lots of organizations now, the multinational organizations are complying with that. So even though it's a European regulation, it is becoming, you know, sort of a de facto worldwide law because multinational organizations need to comply with that. In the United States, we do have data privacy laws as well. A few of them, uh, you know, that people know about and are important to understand, the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act, HIPAA, and also California, the state of California has a Consumer Privacy Act of 2018. So that gives customers more control over the personal information. Again, that is state law, but if you are operating in that state and other states, then maybe you'd like to just take the posture of complying with that for everybody. And then other global countries and regions, many countries in South America, Asia, and other regions do also have prohibitive laws, especially as it comes to data. So if we say data is important for AI, then make sure that we're really being mindful of all of these worldwide laws and regulations.
1: And, you know, one of these issues that has really gotten a lot of attention is facial recognition, mainly because it could be used for surveillance. It could be used, as we saw, for some situations where people accuse people of crimes. But it also could be used in some positive ways to unlock your phone, for example, to Uh, facilitate purchasing. There's a lot of facial recognition applications there. And I think sort of it's that mixed balance that causes people some hesitation when you're, you're coming up with laws. If you say if you ban facial recognition, you ban the positive uses as well as the negative uses. But at the same time, there's all this concern about surveillance, bias, discrimination, use in policing, other sort of improper use, maybe by militaries. And it's becoming under increasing scrutiny. There's the example of an organization called id.me, which said they were using facial recognition to make sure that they could validate your identity for government benefits and access to government. But they weren't actually doing that. They were just matching your face against some general repository. They got into a lot of trouble. And, uh, well, that actually harmed them. They lost their trust. And what happens when your organization loses trust? You can't get it back. It's very difficult. So now that our organization's in a world of, uh, of, trouble and the agencies that tried to use them, they're in trouble too. So don't, don't be like that, right? You know, if you don't need the facial recognition, then don't do it. They could have said that they were doing something else, but they didn't. So, um, there's increasing regulations. There's, especially in Europe, there's these, these prune decisions, uh, which provides a framework for how people are going to automate data exchange and that it's going to include things like biometric data and facial data, you know, even things like DNA data, they really want to, to, to say like, if you're recording facial recognition information, they don't want to transmit that because you could see how, if even if you use it for a, a positive purpose, if someone has your facial data, they could use it for a negative purpose. So they're aware of that. And there are laws that are coming up all over Europe, UK and Sweden are enacting prohibitive laws as well. And in the U.S., to see a couple of states uh, passing laws to restrict facial recognition, some of the cities as well. So basically, facial recognition is a hot spot. It's a hot button topic. So if you're planning on using it, be aware that it could be a regulatory landmine for you.
0: And then we also have regulations on algorithmic decisions. So the global regulatory posture is that trusting the algorithms used and making sure decisions have the required level of transparency, explainability and trustworthiness to be used in potentially life changing situations. So we talked about, you know, the use of AI in hiring and in HR is particularly a hot button topic. And so as we are building these systems, Honestly, we always talk about trust, right? That's what this is. We're building trustworthy AI. So we want to make sure that we are trusting these systems. And how are you going to go about doing that? In Europe, we have the UK. They have their Algorithmic Transparency Standard, which provides guidance to government organizations on algorithmic tools to use. Spain, as of June of 2022, Spain now requires transparency of AI used to manage workforces. In the U.S., we have the Algorithmic Accountability Act of 2022. It was pending. It had previously failed back in 2019. Um, But so, you know, if it is passed, the idea behind it is that the bill would require large tech companies to perform bias impact assessment of any automated decision-making systems that maintain, that make critical decisions, So really, you know, and then different law, different states also have different um, rules and different cities as well. So Colorado prohibits insurers from using any external customer data and information sources, as well as any algorithms or predictive models that use external customer data and information sources in a way that unfairly discriminates. Illinois has their Artificial Intelligence Video Interview Act. That prevents the use of AI for HR without a human in the loop. So if you're working in those states, you need to think about that. And then New York City, their council passed a bill regulating employers and employment agencies the use of automated employment decision tools in making employment decisions this all comes down to trust right these now we're starting to see these rules and regulations and laws in place because we want to make sure that people are trusting these systems so as we are looking at algorithmic decision making really look at that global regulatory posture and then within either your country your region or your state
1: so there's lots of other laws and regulations pertaining to ai ethics and bias and fairness and You should assume that governments are going to start, if they aren't already paying more attention to this, because there's an increasing push for these AI systems to operate within these acceptable levels of transparency and trust and use data that can be properly vetted and verified to avoid issues of either the system-inducing bias or human-induced bias. And there's not really, honestly, there's not really many laws now for AI ethics, bias, or fairness, but but you can see where government regulators are going. You know, many companies are trying to address this on their own. And so you as an organization, the more that you can provide this trust, the more you don't have to wait for the government to do something about it. And then you have no choice to do it. So get ahead of it. Don't wait for governments to come up with laws because these are real issues of trust. You know, people really want to, to use your system. So don't do things to make them concerned about how biased or how fair or how ethic your system are. Especially if they're making, you know, like potentially life changing decisions. We are starting to see some of it. There's the Danish Financial Statements Act, which say that you, that every Danish company must have some sort of policy for data ethics in their management report. That's kind of more about a statement than prevent, you know, or actual regulation. There's a proposed AI act from the EU, which actually I think is coming out now, which addresses a lot of the issues of AI in terms of different levels of acceptable risk. Uh, it doesn't really talk specifically about ethics and bias in terms of re- specific regulations, but it, it probably will and will come into that. And there's really, you know, in the US, not as much, but there's a lot of awareness of the impact of AI on ethics, bias, and fairness. So as I said, we want people to trust the systems. You're building systems of trust, and it's up to you to do that. Don't wait for the laws to get there because by then it'll be too late. Then you may have to shut down your system. So get ahead of it, build those systems of trust, and do things in a way that you want your customers to actually enjoy working and using your system. So we hope you enjoyed that overview. Now, here's the thing about laws and regulations. Uh, They're constantly changing. Even now, I mean, there's some things in the works in the US and EU and all over the world. So uh, we'll probably come back and revisit this topic. But this is definitely something that we focus on in our training and education. And in specifically, we focus on this and a couple of things that we do. One of the th- core things that we do is our CPM AI training and certification, which is a certification for AI project management. It's a way of running AI projects to maximize success, avoid the problems, give you a very specific formula and strategy for which to run AI projects, right? Someone actually just told us recently that it's common sense. We think so too. <laughs> figure out what, you, what 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 problem you're solving, figure out what data you need, uh, figure out how to make your data work to, to, to build the thing that's going to solve the business problem, then evaluate your model to see if it actually solved the problem and it actually works, and then figure out how to get it out in front of people and actually use, it. and then redo the whole thing. Seems so obvious. But so many people just like rush into their AI projects. Like, let's build something. And then later like, oh, we don't have the data. It's like, well, yeah, it's like, you know, let's build a skyscraper and then figure out how many windows we need. That's, I think it's a little bit too late at that point, right? So um, it's a very rational methodology. The core of it, as mentioned CPMI already version seven Thousands of people have been certified. This is something we hope that employers who are listening to to this out there and others who are trying to hire people, work with people on AI projects, you should demand that they have not just skills that they've gotten from some coding school or some MIT on building a model. They should know how to do things in the right order. CPMI is the industry's only vendor-neutral certification for AI project management and the most respected. Been around for a long time. A lot of big organizations are are based on it. You should use it. Well, I mention it because one of the, we have uh, multiple levels of CPMI training. One of those is CPMI plus E, which is our most comprehensive. And that leverages, in addition to the methodology, the trustworthy AI framework, which is an approach to not only building uh systems that ai systems that work but to building trustworthy ai systems you can learn more about a cpmai if you're interested in, at our Cognolytica site slash cpmai i think we also link it at aitoday.live/cpmai you could get an intro course intro to cpmai there as well uh but the plus e also incorporates the trustworthy stuff which brings in a lot of these laws and regs and all the layers of trustworthy AI, of which there are many. There are many ways to get yourself into trouble. So we want to, we want you to avoid all this
0: <laughs> Yes, there are, which is why we like to present them to you so that you learn from others and don't get yourself into trouble. And actually CPM AI plus E is our most popular CPM AI uh, training and certification that people are signing up for because they see the benefit of it. And a lot of people have been reaching out to us and saying that you know they'd like to learn more, which is one of the reasons why we started our Trustworthy AI series so that we could go into the five layers in more detail, share it with our podcast listeners, and then things that you need to be aware of. So I will link to all of our Trustworthy AI episodes in the show notes in case you haven't listened to any of them. And if you're interested in learning more, we also have a trustworthy AI framework workshop that we do with our clients. Some of our podcast listeners have reached out to us about this, and we've actually gone on site and worked with them and also done it virtually as well. So if you are interested in learning more, about our Trustworthy AI Framework Workshop, definitely reach out. You can reach out to us in a number of different ways. You can go to cognolytica.com, you can go to AIToday.live, or you can find us on LinkedIn. All of those ways are great ways to get a hold of us if you're interested in learning more. And if you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe to AI Today. As we mentioned, we're in the middle of a number of series right now, podcast series. And that's been thanks to you, our listeners, to let us know what you're most interested in. So as I mentioned, this is a trustworthy AI series. We also have a generative AI series that we've done because everybody's talking about generative AI these days. So we wanted to have a podcast that goes over, you know, at a high level, what is generative AI applications of generative AI, what it's good for, what it's not good for, some of the challenges and drawbacks to using generative AI, which not everybody is talking about, and also some of the gotchas and things you need to be careful of and things you need to be consider- considering so that you don't get screwed if you're going to use generative AI. So definitely make sure to stay, stay subscribed so you can get notified of all of our different podcasts. We also love when you reach out to us, as I said, or if you want to rate our podcast. We love five-star reviews and we love feedbacks and comments as well. Go to um, you know, any of your favorite podcast providers. We're on Spotify, we're on Google, we're on uh, Apple Podcasts. So reach out to us and uh, definitely leave a rating there as well. we love to hear it from our listeners. Like this episode and want to hear more? With hundreds of episodes and over 3 million downloads, Check out more AI Today podcasts at ai.today.live. Make sure to subscribe to AI Today if you haven't already on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, or your favorite podcast platform. Want to dive deeper and get resources to drive your AI efforts further? We've put together a carefully curated collection of resources and tools, handcrafted for you, our listeners, to expand your knowledge, dive deeper into the world of AI, and provide you with the essential resources you need. Check it out at aitoday.live slash list. This sound recording and its contents are copyright by Cognolytica, All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.